What's going on, y'all? It's Jared from the Land Your Legends Podcast, giving you some information about Forex trading. If you're unfamiliar with Forex, Forex is a Forex exchange, stock exchange, pretty much. All you do is trade on currency from around the world, four different Forex markets. If you want more information about getting into the Forex game, hit up my website at i.academy forward slash jma99. Again, that website is im.academy forward slash jma999. If you if you're unfamiliar with trading or forex, this website and this team will give you all the information and tools that you need to succeed. Um, you can utilize the tools, you can utilize the classes, you can utilize their membership, their other members who are willing to assist you whenever you have any questions. It's like another community that's trying to make you money. It's another revenue stream. Always remember, a millionaire has seven streams of income. This can be another one for you. What's going on, y'all? It's Jared from the Land Young Legends Podcast. Thank y'all for listening to the podcast. Make sure you are subscribe, like, follow, leave a rating. Do everything you need to get the message out about the Land Young Legend Podcast. We appreciate you all listening. Enjoy the show. What's going on, y'all? It's Jared and Land Young Tech with Land Young Legends Podcast. Give me what you need in news and interviews. Today on the show, if you like beer, you're going to love it. We got the CEO and co-founder of K- Dr- Can't talk. Cajun Fire Brewery, John Winthrop. Welcome to the show, sir. Uh, thank you for having me, Jared, man. How y'all doing, everybody on, on Twitter and Instagram? Pleasure to be here. All right, all right, all right. So uh, if you never had it, he has some uh, great beer. Um, he he will talk about the label, what kind of flavors and stuff he has. But uh, give a little bio about yourself, sir. Okay, um, you know, I'm a, a father, husband, uh, New Orleans native, uh, born and raised in New Orleans East. Um, got into the beer industry in 2010 and created Cajun Fire Brewing Company in 2011. And um, by trade, I'm recognized as a brewmaster. And right now we're currently, you know, going through COVID like everyone else with all the different disruptions. And, you know, just trying to have a community fall with beer uh, uh, product in an industry. Okay, cool. So what made you get into brewing beer? Because, you know, in our culture, we don't even see it. Because uh, when I was doing research, I think you're only one of five black breweries in the country at the moment. I'm, I'm pretty sure the list has grown since COVID. People got time at home. Yes, yeah, it's, it's actually, uh, we like, there's like about 30 uh, black-owned beer companies in the nation right now that's, that's uh, doing distribution or self-distribution uh, with a lot more that's getting into the industry and getting uh, exposure as well as interest in this, this field. Um, but like you said, it's, it's a lot of people that's been doing it. You know, my ancestors, our ancestors, I mean, everybody, if you look in your family tree and, and dig a little deep, you'll see that they've had some kind of uh, job doing, you know, fermentation of beverages, making either wine, spirits, uh, craft beer, uh, the cider. Uh, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of our hands that's been in the pot. Uh, but, you know, on the, on the business side, uh, we're just kind of getting back into being on an equitable side of the industry. Okay, cool. So how does one become a brewmaster? Is you have to take a class, you gotta get certified, or just you gotta get certification, um, you gotta get mostly experience. Um, you know, prior to me starting my own company, uh, me and my business partners, we got a lot of experience and apprenticeships from other existing businesses. Um, learning the day-to-day, being very good with your Excel spreads, because you know, when you're taking into the 
fear side, it goes a little bit further in passion. You got to make sure you got everything lined up. Logistics, it's a very complex beverage. Um, if you're on the consumer side, it's great. It's almost like milk, but you know, if you're producing it, <laughs> it's, it's like you know, it's breaking bad. It's a lot of mad scientists, chemistry, everything goes into it, you know. Okay, so uh, what made you come up with your own brewery? What made you come up with K to five? So, just like the landscape was a lot different. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm 32, just so you can date me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got into the industry about 10 years ago, a little bit over a decade. Uh, the landscape was completely different, particularly like Louisiana. Um, you know, New Orleans that was the hub for most manufacturing breweries. Um, that that uh, commercial base was devastated by Hurricane Katrina. So in that landscape, they only had one company that decided to invest in Orleans Parish. Coming back in 2008, I got into the fold of growing and understanding and, and seeing this opportunity in 2010, and the rest is history. Uh, you know, Louisiana used to be the brewing capital of the South. Uh, prior to prohibition, and then after prohibition, uh, you saw like a, a sixty that had a city that had like sixty breweries at one time, all landscaped along the Mississippi. Go to just having like maybe five, and you know as we get into the sixties, with more commercial manufacturing bases open, you see your Fall Staffs, uh, you see your Dixie Beers, and um, uh, some of your Jack's breweries coming to fold, and then you know things kind of change and drinking habits change. Late 90s, you see some of those identities that New Orleans used to be known for as a brewing capital die out. And we're kind of just getting back in the fold where you're seeing a lot of breweries in the local area open up. You're seeing a lot more people get exposed to it, um, just how different in taste profile it can be. We're a culinary city, so you're seeing how people are using it to make cakes and different kind of batters and seasonings and marinades. So, I mean, I think we're just at the tip of... Um, if you're in a beer connoisseur lane, you just kind of getting the, the, the tip of the exposure of where we're going to go with this industry. Okay. So so what are your beverages, your flagship beverages? So we have a honey ale we make. Um, it's an amber style beer. I got a can right here and I know it's noon. Uh, so I'm going to do a little, <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> do a little sampling of, uh, just, for, just for, you know, as a case study. Right. But, um, it's a it's a, a it's an amber style beer. Um, why we chose to go with this as a flagship ship? It is a Munich style, so you know a little bit about New Orleans history and our taste palette um, and affinity for amber beers. We once had like ten percent of the entire German population right here in the uh, city limits. So with that, you know they the immigrant. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, migrated a lot of different of their uh, traditions. One of it was making Munich style beers. So those beers and that taste profile really proliferated in, in New Orleans. And even down to like, you know, just the climate, the humidity with a pail like this, it, it hits right. It's not too overwhelming. This itself is a 5%. So it's not going to take you out, but it is going to, you know, it's going to relax you. It's going to be okay. very, very refreshing. Um, why, why it works good in our market is because of the food profile that we have. You know, we love the onion, bell pepper, and celery, like the holy trinity. Mm-hmm. This product, specifically uh, with blackened foods, it doesn't take away um, from that, that that spice sensation. It actually enhances it. Even like the carbonation level, uh, when you break down the science of it, all those those little bubbles, they scrub your tongue, and that's how you get that flavor sensation when you drink like a craft beer with your food. Um, this is an exception to that. It, it definitely uh, works good. It's smooth. Um, we also have a, uh, a stout that's kind of similar to like a Guinness, 
Um, it's called a Big Chief Cream Stout. The Big Chief, yeah, that's the one I got. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so it's um, it, you know, I always compare it to a Guinness because that's probably the most well, it is the most uh popular version of a stout, and it's normally like a, a customer's first introduction to that world of dark beer. And you know, this product is great because there's a um, the psychology behind it. A lot of people assume just because it's a dark product, it might be very strong, but it really has the same kind of ABV as a, a light beer. It's just about, you know, what you put into it, how malty you might make it. Um, this product is uh, very smooth as we add a vanilla uh, base to it. So you get that kind of creaminess versus a, a earthy kind of tone with the, with the beer. And I'll pour it so you can see the finish and the color on it. The aromas you get, you get a little bit of coffee notes, you get some chocolate. Uh, and, you know, like all our other parents, it goes great with New Orleans uh, culinary foods. So this one in particular, um, you know, we, we consume a lot of fresh bread. Okay. So, like, you know, if you're eating bread, if you're eating kind of uh, any kind of desserts, pralines, um, the croissants, it goes great with that. Um, and as you can see, you get a nice creamy head. Um, you can drink it at room temperature. You still it still has a very refreshing uh, flavor to it. And, and the shelf life is great. So you can even send it off as, as a present and, you know, Father's Day. It, it just works good on all on all levels. But that's our Big Chief Cream Stout, and that's the two flagships that we have in market right now. Okay. So how long does it take to uh, brew each beer? Like uh, each one, product? I mean, it's, it's a real complex um, pro product, so depending on what you want to do with it, um, it's up to you. Uh, like, if you was to age a beer, you can age that up to, like, you know, five years at the max, probably. Uh, just, just, you know, it has... The longer you age it, it does carry on like some funky characteristics. It's it's a lot of quality control that goes into each product. Um, with our with our honey ale and our um, our big chief cream stout, looking at like twenty days to ferment it, uh, just so it can get the right profile. Uh, anything else, it'll probably still taste good. It just will be a different beer with different characteristics. Okay, that's cool. So. Um when you was coming up with the whole Cake and Fire brand and stuff like that, I, I, I saw that you did a lot of pitch competitions, brewery contests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see uh, you, you hit it big with the idea of Village um, uh, Investment mm -hmm. down here. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, um, you know, like a small business, any any small business, uh, those, those funding uh, institutions are always, you know, that's very helpful, especially like when you're a small business, small minority-owned business. Uh, getting funding is not easy. So, I mean, pitch competitions is a good uh, vehicle to not only uh, try to get your, your capital up for your business, but also to expose yourself or put yourself in a position where you got to perform and, and win over new new fan bases or new client bases. Uh, so we've, we've done pretty pretty well on that uh, in the past. And that's, that's uh, a direct um, representation of just the support that we've had and also the uh, the partnerships that we've created over the past, like, you know, from consultants to uh, family and friends for like support, um, all those things kind of come full circle in the, to how you perform in those pitch competitions. Cause I ain't not a professional uh, speaker or nothing like that. And getting it, getting on that stage and selling yourself and being that transparent, man, it's, it's real. Like, you know, all kind of nerves come out, but you got to perform and it just shows, um, it allows you to kind of, uh, sharpen your sword, so to speak. Okay, cool. 
So when you were up there pitching for those competitions or were they showing like guidelines that uh, were you like a finalist and that's how you were able to start doing the finalist pitch? Normally there's like a filter. So you got to, I mean, it, it depends on how big the, the, uh, the pitch prize is normally that, that determines how many filters you got to go through. Um, but, you know, from everything from like the first pool of, con, uh, con, uh, I guess, contestants, you would say, um, or applicants, you know, you got to make sure you're meeting up to their mission as well as um, being, I guess, sustainable. So there, there's all kind of things that you have to submit to make sure you're in good corporate standing, to make sure you're uh, practicing good business practices. And then comes down to submitting pro um, you know, just just all kind of business practices and being real transparent. So by the time you get through that filtering process, then you have to compete against, uh, uh, I guess, the most sustainable businesses. And then they can either have a crowdfunded element where a crowd uh, that's in attendance or online now um, chooses the best applicant or they have a, a, a panel of judges or boards that determines that. So, yeah, it's uh it's complex as you might want to uh, make it, but I know like if you have a, a pretty solid business plan and you're very uh, passionate about what you're doing, then it's not impossible to win those kind of competitions as you know, my company has proven. Okay. So uh, I, I see your, your family run business. Um, you got a lot of founders that are family members. How is that running a brand new company with your family? It's, it's, uh, it's good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> In real, I mean, it's just uh, you just gotta learn like to respect everybody's time and just be uh, empathetic. So like, you know, every personality is different, and you know, like even like if you had like you know coworkers that you might not be related to to get the job done, everybody's personality traits and professionalism has to kind of meet at a compromise. Um, sometimes it could be a good compromise or it'd be a bad compromise, but you know, in our situation, thankfully we haven't hit anything that's uh, been detrimental to the whole. And uh, working with family, that is a strong point. You know, you, your family is more loyal than most, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's a blessing in itself. But everybody's family is different. So, you know, sometimes a family might not need to go into business. That's an opportunity <laughs> that might not have the same return, you know. <laughs> okay, cool. Because it's, it's like, you know, when your, your business go through it, if you, you might not be with your family, you could kind of, you know, count your losses and just kind of pull away. But if your family is directly rooted with it, you know, you have to work things out and see it, see it to the end. Okay. All right. So can you explain the process of, because um, this is very interesting to me, how you go from brewing your own beer and getting into uh, like local, getting into restaurants, uh, st liquor stores and other stores, like how's that process? How did they, how, how you go, go along from an idea, um, do you have to link up with certain distributors, wholesalers, something like that? It's a lot of it's a lot of different relationships. Um, one relationship that, in particularly in my situation in Louisiana, you uh, you can't self distribute, so you have to go through a third tier. You have to distribute uh, through a distributor, alcohol licensed alcohol distributorship. Um, so that that does relieve a lot of um, a lot of the different wild card elements uh, in in doing beer, but it also creates a lot of you know different regulations and standards. Um, so, you know, man, <laughs> we can spend a lot of time talking about just that. Uh, it's not easy, um, okay. but it, it does require like you to have a lot of constant communication with a lot of third parties. Uh, right now, we co-pack our products out of uh, Sterling, Virginia until our own physical facility is uh, complete. 
So, you know, just keeping an eye on different freight logistics, um, keeping uh, a log on the price of gas as it's fluctuating, all these things. Um, it's about a hundred different items that you got to be cognizant of with uh, the shipment, just the transportation of a product like beer uh, before it gets to your customer hand. Okay. So do you have to get an alcohol license to become a brewer? Oh yeah. You need an alcohol license. Um, you need a, uh, in my situation, a beer seller's license. Each state has its own uh, regulations. Uh, Louisiana has a lot uh, more than most, um, but you know each state has a pretty healthy amount of uh, regulations and standards that you have to go into. Um, even like right now, um, you know, my as far as uh, my company with us being in this space and being a black-owned company, we're the first uh, black-owned beer company to be federally recognized in the South. So that you know speaks to just how. Um, how many hurdles there are to this that just that permitting process just to be recognized. So it, it's a lot, man. You know, I'm not even gonna. It's it's just as regulated as um, medicinal marijuana. Okay. Scope on how regulated it is. All right. So how do you, how did how did you become getting recognized as a black brewery? Like, did you have to register for a certain program or something, or they just recognized you because they just knew you were African? Just, re just recognized as uh that being in operation, surviving. Because you know when you're first kind of doing a lot of things, working. But you have to build up momentum. You have to uh, get those kind of experiences. And it's kind of like, you know, even like with jazz music, I would I always compare our industry to that, uh, particularly in our situation. You know, a lot of like the greats had to go outside the state to get recognized in their own area. So in our, our situation, you know, we had to go sell beer product in Portland, Oregon. And that's like, you know, that's that might as well be another country. It's so different than, than the state of Louisiana, um, you know, in culture, economics, you know, environment. Um, so, you know, you have to, you have to go outside the state and kind of pivot back into the state to be recognized sometime on a national scale, particularly, you know, when you look like me or you, um, mm. um you know, we just stayed consistent, uh, on my mission of, you know, just getting this company up and operational, I stayed consistent with it. And eventually, you know, uh, you, uh, started developing momentum where people started recognizing us as, um, as both a. <laughs> a, a competitor and a, and a uh, you know something they could patronize. Okay, so, so I got a question about that. Glad you brought it up since you're black and operated. Have you ever been, um, I would guess, denied or discriminated against while operating? I'm not laughing to make light of it. I just knew you. I knew you where you was going. Uh, yeah. man, I mean, it's kind of like you know, I I'm I'm the I'm kind of not burned out. But I'm just like to the point of sarcastic with it now. It's like, oh, you know, take my shower, I experience discrimination, I have my coffee. It's like it's just it's part of part of doing business. It's a unique black experience that okay. we live and breathe every day. So right, you got it. You have an example. Um, I know when the, the my, my introduction to the industry, the first time I was um, representing the company, uh, it was like in. Uh, 2011. So I was representing the company. We had an event at the uh, fairgrounds. So I was excited. I was like, oh shit, you know, it's our first event. We're serving at the fairgrounds. It's, it's going to be nice. You know, um, had my company shirt on. Uh, I got racially profiled on the way there. And I'm a small business owner, so I got a lot of equipment. Mm. Uh, we ain't really in the realm of people understanding like home brewing and all that because it is 10 years ago. So even like just people's grasp of craft beer and making your own beer, that shit was kind of like, it wasn't uh, as uh, prevalent as it is now. 
So, you know, I had like all kind of kegs and stainless steel equipment in my truck. I mean, in my, uh, my hatchback, like a small hatchback coupe. <laughs> so I had to explain all this and, you know, the officer, you know, he couldn't deem me for nothing, but thankfully I got out of that situation. But on the, the flip side of it, you know, just being practical and being professional, I got that the buzzer with all my equipment had to set up. It just made me look unprofessional. So, okay. yeah. But things that I couldn't control, so you know that that is uh, that's my first introduction into the the realm of uh, this industry. Okay, all right. So uh, let's say somebody who who's interested in getting into the beer industry or beer industry, I should say. Do you have any um, ideas or recommendations how they should proceed to do so? Just reach out to uh, one. You got to be very familiar with uh, your city uh, laws because that can dictate a lot. Uh, particularly like with commercial uh, property, if your your investment or your thoughts are to get into this industry or any manufacturing industry that deals with alcohol, you want to have a good understanding of like what um, commercial commercial permits and alcohol uh, restrictions are in place, because that will be where you're going to spend the most money and time at just getting uh, your book of business acclimated to everything that's required. Okay. The next uh, the next, I think the next thing would just be making sure you can identify financial sources or, or funds uh, because you will have like cost of goods associated with any venture. But with this one, it's very capital intensive. So you want to have like some uh, some source of uh, financial uh, assistance or, or institution in your, your book of business that you can reach out to and see, hey, am, am I eligible for this kind of money line or, or uh, can I? Can I show you like a pro forma that I show you I can cover like the debt service for this? Um, and that's that's a challenge in itself. We still always are in a situation where we're constantly searching for funding. Um, but you know, that's something to be cognizant of because you know, just just a passion alone ain't necessarily gonna get you in this industry where you can be sustainable and, and grow employment opportunities or um, anything equitable. You gotta make sure you're in it for the long term because it is such a capital intensive uh, industry. Okay. And so this, I know you had to purchase a lot of equipment. Um, what do you need to brew like the actual beer? Like, do you need a big space? You have to buy how much? How much equipment costs to even start? The lowest I've seen people operate and get it get it popping with a brewery um, is about like a thousand square square feet. Now, mind mm-hmm. you, uh, you know they got they got different kind of states that you can operate in where you can self distribute. So there's not like a one size fit all kind of approach in this state. I don't know how far you'll get specifically like in a COVID environment with a thousand square feet of space to brew and just, you know, sell it to somebody. It, it just, you know, you can, you'll probably be bankrupt in, in a year. Okay. Uh, but you know, you, you just want to make sure the most important thing is you want to make sure you own the land or the lease option and have full control. So if you are successful, if you're in a land or lease, uh, but more so if you're in a lease uh, situation, when you're successful, you don't want somebody to pull a rug from under you and increase your rent uh, to the point where you can't cover your overheads or whatever. So that's that's as far as uh, companies going out of business from selling alcohol. I mean, it's a you know it's a uh, prohibition uh, safe business, and now it's also a pandemic safe business. So it's a, you know, it's a, you know, always be drinking alcohol, man. Uh, you can get through the, the red tape, so to speak, mm-hmm. and, and power and persevere through on whatever side of it, if it's on beer production side or uh, alcohol production side or spirits, you're in a, you're in a good situation. 
because there's always going to be an affinity for trying out something new. Um, you know, and people, and it's, it's always been around in our culture, so it's not going anywhere. You just got to find out how to get a, a stake investment into it. Okay. So, um, since we are in the tech world these days, what type of technology do you use to utilize to help you with your business? Um, yeah, our website, I mean, our domain, it, it really draws in the most traffic. Uh, as a storefront, I mean, if, if that was our physical brick and mortar, I mean, there's no way, even with us, with us developing on the side of the interstate, we can't even develop the same kind of traffic that our brick and mortar, I mean, that our uh, domain page uh, brings. Okay. Um, you know, Google is the best uh, employee you can have because, I mean, they, they work when you're sleeping. So, I mean, if you got any kind of <laughs> you got any kind of resources or time to put toward it, that's that's what we always aim to is just take advantage of those digital traffics. And um, even like with uh, steering people to purchasing habits, like right now, a lot of people are buying online uh, or buying pre uh, set aside grocery items. So, you know, those those markets, we haven't yet fully explored them yet or how to integrate them into our business. But that's at the, the forefront of uh, my engagement. Um, making sure we're we're accessible on those different platforms. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that. You, you brought a question, another question. I want to ask you. So, what if somebody wanted to just buy strictly from you all? Can is that possible? Or they still have to go to your distributor That's, or retailer. They would have to go through our distributor or like a um, a third party retailer. Uh, that's you know that's one of the restrictions with Louisiana. We can't sell directly to our customer base, and that's probably the question we get asked a lot. <laughs> So, you know, I have a discipline of turning it down. It sounds like I'm turning down money, but, you know, I am not trying to test the laws. Okay. So could you open up your own, uh, like, restaurant or something like that, and then you'd be able to sell your own beer then? It, um, it just depends on what, what kind of license you have in place. If you're um, if you're a self, like, if you're a manufacturer, um, yeah, it's like a, a 10% to 5% um, cap on it. You can only sell like that a certain amount of uh, product versus what you actually sell to the distributor just to not to offset things. So, wow. It's like, it's like Louisiana kind of handicapping y'all. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Everywhere is the same. Okay. Uh, your pros and your cons are doing business everywhere. One, uh, one difference that's, that's stark in Louisiana, you know, a lot of people that come here come in specifically because there's open container laws where you can drink outside. We kind of take advantage of it, but, to a tourist or somebody just moving here as a transplant, you know, that's like unprecedented freedom. Right. You know, <laughs> um, so it's, it comes at a, when, you, when you're first getting engaged in this business, it kind of come as a, like a shock to you that you got like drive through daiquiri shops and things like that. But if you're manufacturing beer, <laughs> you're going to, you, it's, it's very prohibited. So, you know, it's a, you know, okay. we never, like normally number 49 and 50 with Mississippi, like neck and neck with their laws and our laws as far as the most restrictive uh, uh, laws in place. Okay. So how has uh, COVID, COVID in infected your business so far? Oh, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's impacted everything. I mean, it's been disruptive. Like we're in a whole different economy set now. Um, so thankfully, uh, we we are available in majority like box retailers, um, and, and you know a fraction of our, our retailers were um, off-premise um, locations, so like bars and restaurants. That was like a fraction of our business that we was engaged in. But you know, 
even that considered um it's a lot of things that still have to be accounted for um that i don't think uh we we've diagnosed yet in our business like you know nobody had a contingency plan for any of this going into it and you know coming off a high of mardi gras as far as sales and things like that it was a uh a large pivot to kind of prep my business um as well as the people that depend on the business for like income and, and revenue and everything um to prep it to the point that we function right now so thankfully we didn't have to do any kind of furloughs um or things like that and you know even more thankful that you know me and my family are in good health but man you know we still are you just don't know what august might bring you know so as a business we're just kind of taking everything day at a time and uh, making sure we're cognizant of like dips and, and changes in the economy as best that we can, because it's all about future proofing right now. And um, you know, I, one blessing is that we, like I said, we are an alcohol business, which is an elastic commodity, so it ain't right. People be bartering coins if they have uh, currency for it or something, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, not to make light on the COVID situation, it's just you know you, you can't really call it right now so one day you might be up one day you might you might be down especially like when you consider cash flow changes um so we're just trying to take it as strategic as possible and also being empathetic to our retailers and everything as well because everybody doing business with is going through the same thing as well if not you know magnified you know okay so uh how many employees do y'all have Right now we, we just have part-time so we have like some freelance uh, work that we hire out mm -hmm. uh, as far as logistics and freight uh in-house you know it's only three part-time um until we get the facility to kind of bring in the cash flow we can operate at, at full capacity okay all right um so how is it being a business owner how is the work-life balance terrible <laughs> <laughs> you know, just being transparent, uh, it's terrible, but you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to improve and I'm trying not to be too irritable. It's a lot, uh, but you know, just balancing labor hours, it's, it's hard to kind of restructure things, you know, like even like with childcare, uh, changing dramatically overnight. Um, it's a lot you got to just be cognizant of now, like even before, you know, just with, with the, like schools and everything open. As a parent, that was um, that was a challenge of running a business as well. But now, like with you know, it, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Like uh, being uh, <laughs> running your business, working, taking care of kids all at the same time. It's, it's a little. It's a little. Like I told you uh, before, I'm trying not to become my best customer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have multiple kids running around tearing your house up all day. It, it gets a little annoying and you do need to break something <laughs> toward the end of the night. All right. So um, other than that, what do you see as the future of Cageify? Well, we, we got a pretty bright future. I'm happy to say I, I'm confident um, that we're going to definitely expand. Uh, we have some good momentum going into uh, this year that we, we've been consistent with, like the beer, the, the uh, partnerships that we have established. A lot of things give me confidence that even like um, as we near 2020, because it's going to go and come very quickly, uh, we're going to be in a good standing and um, adding value to not only um, the development we're doing in the East. We're, you know, I'm really happy about that because we are going to be enhancing the community. I was born at Lakeland Hospital, which was like about a mile from where that location that we groundbreaking is at. So, you know, I, I really um, I really am excited about the opportunities we're going to create, the jobs. We're going to create 
from that that project as well as just the um the civic pride we're gonna create like giving that area a manufacturing identity so you know um it, it's very fulfilling on that side you know from a business standpoint we are expanding into a lot of different uh stores uh right now we're in 110 different uh retailers in southeast louisiana and we're looking at opportunities outside the state for expansion and growth um you know it's a lot of opportunities that we're, we're you know creating milestones out of and I'm, I'm happy for the direction of everything okay all right uh, i got a couple more questions for you so when did you realize that cajun fire was a going to be a huge success when i when i first i mean if i'm being real uh when i first signed the llc man like okay it was just too much of a, a void it, it wasn't like you know when we first came into into getting our status and everything we it was like the fifth black owned beer company in, in the nation's history and okay. the only uh company i could look at that was still in operation for inspiration was harlem brewing uh company started by celeste betty so you know i studied her from afar and then we became um became mutual friends and that's that's you know it's a lot to kind of take in and i always try to remind myself you know when i'm, when I'm uh somebody that i value opinion that much become your mutual friend and you kind of tackling on the same issues at the same time you know you realize that um you just realize your, your professional growth so I'm, I'm just happy with every the direction that we take and the steps we made and you know from from the first day that we got invested into this business we got the same kind of conviction that our product is uh worth to stand the test of time um so we we you know we recognize that we did create a landmark institution um and that that definitely uh aids us and in, in keep going forward so you know when we first got started man we knew it was going to be something we knew black people needed to have an outlet to put invest in their own products but also just from exploring the different um profiles involved with beer uh there are not many companies that's deliberately trying to educate uh, our community about the different profiles before you know you had a lot of marketing that was aimed at uh just over consumption you know entertainment but now uh people are kind of treating it with a little bit more um uh, professionalism and respect and how they're they're uh enjoying it observing it even um uh selling it so um you know pairings they got all kind of like i'm happy to say they, they got all kind of like black uh, uh companies um that are looking at the, the advantages of marketing their products with beer or doing kind of pairings specifically on the chef side it's kind of finally getting that um treatment that wine that we see with wines and and even uh kombuchas again so okay i always, always like to ask business owners this question what was your biggest mistake and how did you come back from it <laughs> I, I mean my biggest mistake i probably can't tell because uh <laughs> i don't know man um give me what you can't tell Somebody I, has to I, on the only mistake is probably not attention to detail it's probably involved with attention to detail um you know we've had like situations where we might have had spoilage okay. uh just by lack of attention to detail and uh just in general like one time we we was wrapping up some products and something as simple as just wrapping a pallet correctly led to us losing like 50 to 100 cases of product oh okay so, so even though it, even if it's in a can wrapping also plays a huge part of it as well everything man because it's, it's in the transportation of it and you really got to treat it like you know every 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 uh nuance or uh, spot you got to check it all the time so you know that's one thing with beer uh 
you always got to be consistent. So even things that we do that's repetitious, if you if you turn us if you turn the um the intensity down with it, you're gonna leave something to chance and wherever there's opportunity, <laughs> something popping off, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just showing people how you uh your website so they can take a look at it. Yeah, make sure y'all go check out drinkcagefire.com. Uh, it's a very good beer. I love it. I like it. Uh, support your own people, especially people from New Orleans. Represent it. Uh, how can people reach out to you on social media? Um, just showing some love. You know, um, any way you communicate with us, we'll, we'll do our best to get back with you and show you our appreciation. Specifically, if you're looking for our products, our webpage that Jared is on, uh, drinkcagefire.com slash store locations. We have a pretty good uh, GPS tracker that we try to keep updated as best as possible with the retailers that carry our products. Um, and you know, we're, we're, we're normal human beings, we're normal people. So if you, anytime you show us love and reach out to us, we'll, like I said, we'll do our best to reach back out to you. And even if you have any kind of questions about beer or what you want to do and kind of drink, uh, get your feet wet, or if you, particularly if you have fundraising opportunities, you know, let us know. Um, we can see if we can find some kind of alignment and assist what we can, because we really are a community uh, business and we value um, those kind of interactions the most. So, okay, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you said this statement too. I forgot to ask you that. So, what type of organizations do y'all participate in giving back in the community? Um, well, you know, I'm a member. Like each, each of us that's involved with the company are um, involved in the community in different nonprofits and, and for-profit organizations. I myself, I'm a member of the Hundred Black Men of Metro New Orleans. Uh, that's, that's my most prized organization I'm a member of. So, we really uh, focus on uh, mentorship of youth. Um, on the side of that, I'm an alumni from uh, St. Augustine High School. So anything that's involved with this school, I'm trying to be, yeah, try to be involved with that. I definitely appreciate uh, the gifts and resources that it opened up to me. Uh, we done we've done things with Nochi through the culinary program. Um, you know, uh, Feather Fun with uh, Chief Shaka Zulu. Um, that's another uh, organization that we love to work with. Um, they actually one of our products, the Big Chief Cream Stout. Uh, we did a, uh, that's, that's the company we do work with to uh, help promote Indian culture and also to help assist in aiding them uh, with maintaining that culture with the financial uh, obligations that requires. So, you know, um, and the other, the other area of uh, interest is just development of New Orleans East business infrastructure. So we're, uh, although we don't work directly with any organizations on that side, uh, we do believe we are like one of the lead companies in engaging and, and creating awareness about some of the needs that that's uh, distressing that community. Oh, man, I'm glad you're giving back to the community. Um, I appreciate your time. Um, I'm in dire need. I'm an organization that needs some assistance myself, you know. So if you got some free samples, you know, I could take some. We just realized that, you know, beer is one of them them uh products that can infiltrate all uh all kind of means of commerce or, or non-profit uh work and we're in a city that loves to drink and toast so i mean um we can, we can always make it happen and we always at least we accept it into our wheelhouse and if, it, if we can make means of it as a business to engage it you know we, we definitely review it so all right man i appreciate you coming on the show um Probably gonna have to do once you finish building up that, that big brewery in the east. I'm gonna have to come do a uh an interview inside that. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to do it, man. I have to chop it up. So uh just uh, I'll let you know as soon as we have the groundbreaking going on. And uh, you know, like we we just uh me and my father, we tag team a lot, keeping it up the grade. 
it's about um 10 acres of commercial land we developed um and we have site control of it so you know it's only a matter of time before we develop that area and like i said the most important thing about the property is it's very visible it's the first thing you see coming into the city of new orleans and it's the last thing you see leaving if you leave it on the eastbound area um it's just a good representation of uh, what we can do with manufacturing when we put our uh, collective efforts involved into it. So, all right. Yep. Love to see black businesses strive and do excellence. Yep. Cheers, man. Cheers to everybody. Survive. Somewhere in the world. Huh? <laughs> I say it's happy hour somewhere in the world. Yeah. Well, we all need a little toast right now, man. It's it's a wild it's a wild summer, so. You right. Know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Mr. John Winthrop for coming on the show, CEO of Cajun Fire Brewery. Um, make sure you all follow us on all our social media platforms. Um, now you have Legends on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, now we just recently got on Periscope. Uh, we'll be streaming to LinkedIn as well. We also on Twitter. So reach up, follow us on all our platforms, the YouTube as well. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, make sure you hit us up on our uh, website at lanyeptech.com. Um, thank you for coming. Thank you for watching. We out. Peace. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Have a great day. Let's go out to the field. This is Jared from the Lanyard Legends Podcast. Please check us out on all social media outlets at Lanyard underscore legends on Instagram, at Lanyard Legends at Twitter, at Lanyard Legends on Facebook. Uh, hit us up on all outlets. See y'all next time. Thank you for tuning in for the podcast.